for my time. You'll just have to wait. For, for some reason, I can't turn my mic on. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. Thank you, Brother Forrest, for uh, that song uh, this morning. And uh, what a blessing it is to know that we have a place uh, like heaven waiting for us uh, as uh, believers. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. Uh, one thing I could say um, through uh, the uh, over 13 years that I've been here, uh, I've always felt uh, very appreciated in this church and um, uh, up and down, thick and thin. Um, always uh, have uh, people uh, that uh, tell me they're praying for me, people that are there for my kids. And uh, can, I, can I tell you something? When you're, when you're there... Um, for my, for my family and for my children, uh, that means just so much to me. And I know brother Forrest as well. And, uh, that really is, uh, such a big deal. And, uh, this is, uh, I don't get to see my family. Uh, my family's all, uh, up, uh, up North uh, and, uh, don't get to, to see them very often. And so, um, I'm thankful that I'm close to my in-laws I don't have to call my outlaws, and so I'm thankful for that. Uh, but uh, uh, I am thankful for my church family, and this is, uh, this is my family, and uh, I'm thankful for you and uh, all that you do for me and my family, Forrest and his family, and uh, uh, such, a, uh, such a blessing, and we're thankful for that. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we are uh, talking about some instruction for the church, instruction for the church, how we should act and react uh, in the world we're living in today. Uh, um, Up is down, left is right, uh, right is wrong, we are living in an in an upside-down world today, and um, we're living in the midst of sin, we're living in the midst of tragedy, Uh, we're living in difficult days, and um, uh, does anybody here remember Russ and Rachel LaFleur? Some of you remember Russ and Rachel? Uh, They come a while back, well, I don't know if you know this or not, but Russ is pastoring uh, now, and... um, uh, yesterday, I had a, a lengthy conversation with him on Friday uh, and had a prayer with him, um, but uh, they're having some difficulties in the church that they're in. Uh, somebody that they're very, very close to, um, she, uh, her and her husband uh, had two children, and uh, the husband went to work. Uh, the wife was home with the two kids. She took the trash out. When she took the trash out and came back in, there was a man in the house with a gun. Uh, the man was somebody that they knew, apparently, and um, he, um, he raped the wife, took both of the children, took them to a park, and, sh- and shot and killed both of the children. Um, and Russ had to do the memorial service yesterday uh, for the family and just... Just absolute tragic, but uh, pray for Russ and Rachel. Uh, the grandparents are in the church. Uh, Rachel is best friends with the grandma and uh, in the church, and uh, so it's just a young couple 
the ch- children were 10 months old and two, months, two, two years old or something like that. And so just terrible, terrible situation. Uh, but pray for Russ, if you would. Many of you know him, uh, and uh, some of you don't. Uh, but pray for him. That's um, uh, something that uh, you, don't, uh, you don't get taught. You don't, you don't, uh, you don't learn except for through experience, and so just a, a tragic uh, event there uh, in the Fleurs and the and the church there that he's pastoring. So remember them to the Lord in prayer, if you would. Continue to remember Amelia uh, to the Lord. She, if you don't know, she's now have to take radiation uh, on top of um, the chemotherapy, and so um, pray. Uh, pray for her. She just got back from the five days at Mayo. She'll be home two weeks, go back for five days, go come home for two weeks and do that for about nine weeks. And so uh, remember um, uh, Miss Amelia uh, to the Lord in prayer. And then uh, if you'd continue to um, remember um, Tara's dad uh, to the Lord in prayer as well. Uh, he had a stroke and um, he has no use of one side of his body. And uh, he is having a very difficult time. He can't. Uh, he can hear, and he can process, but he can't speak. He can't write, and something else that he can't do. Um, he's got a lot, a lot of therapy ahead of him. During he's got him in a home right now or in a rehab facility right now. Uh, so that's Tara's daddy uh, there in um, Alabama. So, um, uh, matter of fact, Tara just got back uh, from Alabama. So, um, just continue uh, to uh, remember them to the Lord in prayer. Uh, I know they appreciate uh, uh, your prayers for them. And then um, uh, Jessica's uh, mom and daddy as well. Uh, remember them to the Lord in prayer. Jessica's um, uh, stepdad, they have to put into a, a nursing facility. Uh, she has gone down there to help with that. Force is going to go down there and get, help them get moved in tomorrow. Uh, and so uh, pray for them, if you would. And uh, then right after all that's done, her mom has got to go in and get cataract surgery on both eyes. And so, um, so pray for Jess. She's going to be bouncing around quite a bit trying to help her mom and um, and her stepdad and then um, uh, pray for her mom as she has that cataract surgery. So I know there's a lot of things going on. Just uh, just uh, remember each other uh, to the Lord in prayer. First Corinthians chapter number 16. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 13. The Bible says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, and be strong. Some instructions for the church. We talked about last week, we talked about the first thing is that we need to be watchmen. We need to be alert. We need to be awake. We need to have our eyes 
open. We have to have our eyes open. We've got to be paying attention. We've got to be alert to Satan. We've got to be alert to temptation. We've got to be alert to apathy. We've got to be alert to false teachers. We've got to be alert to um, the second coming of Christ. All these things, we need to be sure that we are alert to these things that are happening uh, around us. It's very easy. It's very easy to get frustrated. It's very easy to get disgusted and just stick your head in the sand and forget everything. If, you, if, you're, if you're anything like me, some of you are the opposite. You love to watch the news. I hate to watch the news. I can't stand turning on CNN or ABC or NBC or any other letters that they put together and call it news. I can't stand it. It's all bad news. 99% of it's bad news. The 1% that's good news, they spin it into being bad news. And it's just one thing after another and after another. But let me tell you something. If you don't keep up to date with things, things will get by you. People ask me all the time, have you heard about? No. No. Listen to me. I have no social media. None. I don't have Instagram. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Twitter. I don't have any other uh, Instagram or any other social media. I have none of those things. I, I, don't watch, uh, I don't watch anything I watch on TV is DVR'd. Because as much as I hate the news, I hate commercials. I mean, I, and all I watch is football. I mean, college football comes on when fo- college football's over. I'm just, the, the TV's just about done for me. And so I don't watch the news. So I don't know when things come. If you're not careful, if you're not alert, things will get by you. Spiritually, watch this, church, listen to me. If you're not alert, you'll let opportunities get by you. Lord puts things in our path, right? He shows us things. He, he gives us uh, uh, illustrations in our lives. And if we're not careful, we'll be off on vacation or we'll be off somewhere uh, uh, with the kids. Uh, inevitably, the kids go, yep, that'll be, a, that'll be in the pulpit Sunday. I say that all the time, you know. When, when we went out to golf and, and, and did, uh, did the, the, the putt-putt, uh, uh, Kyle uh, looked over at Devin and said, don't bother showing up Sunday because this is going to be all over church Sunday. I'm always looking for illustrations, right? To ways to explain things. I believe that's what Jesus did. Jesus used common things so that we could understand the uncommon. We can understand the spiritual. He brings these things to our level so that we can understand them. God often brings things in our life, and if we're not careful, we'll miss them because we're not alert. We're not paying attention. Sometimes those things are good. Isn't it great when good things happen? Does anybody like it when good things happen in your life? Praise the Lord, right? I mean... Who doesn't want to be on the mountaintop? I mean, the showers of blessings are in your life. you got a little change in your pocket, and everything's going just wonderful in your life. And boy, you can learn lessons then, can't you? But can I tell you, sometimes hard times come. Sometimes times that, will, if you're not careful, will break you come. And when those times come, let me tell you something. Is it? Is it okay to be sad? You know, the Bible says to weep with those that weep. Listen to me. Don't ever listen to a person that says you should never mourn or you should never weep or you should never. Listen, the Bible says that we ought to mourn. 
The Bible says that we, we can be upset and we can weep with those that, that weep. But understand something. God puts things in our lives for purpose. Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. So God is taking things and He's putting them in our lives and things are coming in our lives and God is working these things in our lives so that we can learn. Have you ever got down later in life and you looked back at something and you said, Man, that's why God did that. Now, can I tell you, sometimes you never know. This side of heaven, you, you, you're not going to know. Some things you don't understand. You know, in life, is this true? This is so true. In life, we often have more questions than we have answers. I mean, we really do. I mean, we got, why did this happen? And why did, you know, that situation I was talking about with Russ and Rachel, why? Why? Well, I know why. I know, I know sin. I understand that. Uh, but man, why in the world did it have to happen to this family? Why did this happen to happen to this person? Why did, I don't always have the answer. And you might think you do, but you don't always have the answer either. So what do we need to do? We need to be alert to the will of God in our lives. When we're alert to the will of God in our lives, we'll learn some things. God will show us some things. He'll help us with not only our right now, but our future. And He'll help us as we are helping others. I said to Russ, as I was talking to him and we were counseling together, I said, listen, sometimes God brings stuff in your life so that you can help somebody else. Sometimes those things are good and sometimes those things are hard and they're difficult. But man, you know, you ever said the, made the statement, been there, done that, got the t-shirt? You know, some of us have been there, done that, and got a whole dresser drawer of t-shirts. Right? Because we've been through so many experiences and so many things and it's good. You ever done this? You ever go back through pictures? Does anybody actually have pictures? They don't have, people don't have pictures anymore, right? You got to look on a computer. You got to look on a flash drive. You got to look at something to have pictures. Well, we're kind of old school, so we have all those things. My phone, listen, my phone is so messed up, I can't even take pictures or videos on my phone. And so, um, so I just have the pictures that I have. But man, we have, we have, um, Photo albums. I mean, we have photo albums like I have books. Okay? I mean, we've got... And the other day I was... I can't remember what I was doing, but I was, I was doing something and I got out a photo album and I, and, I, and I opened it up and I thought, oh boy. And I sat down and I looked at my kids when they were little and I looked at some of you when you had hair. I, just kidding. I had to throw that out of there. But I looked at when people, you ever, you ever go through an old directory? Oh my goodness, you talk about hilarious. I love going through old directories and looking at some of you 40 years ago or 30 years ago. That's so-and-so. No, yeah, it is, really. And it brings back memories, right? Do you know what God wants to do? He wants to do a work in your life so that he can help you now. But then down the road, he can help you to remember, hey, I've been through something like that. I've faced some situation like that. And now I can help somebody else with that situation or with that circumstance in my life. So we need to be alert. We need to wake up and we need to pay attention. Wake up out of sleep, the Bible says. And we, uh, God, uh, or the devil has lulled 
the church to sleep. So we need to wake up and, and be alert. The second thing I want to talk about uh, this morning is not only do we need to be alert, but we need to be firm. We need to be firm. I wrote in my notes, we have too many sissified pansies in Christianity. I decided not to say that, but I put it in my notes. We've got people that won't stand for nothing. Can, can I tell you something? That old country song says, right? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. Is that true? Absolutely it's true. The church is too often like the pendulum of a clock. I mean, back and forth. Back and forth. And man, they, they run after this. And then the, the, a new fad will come and they'll run after that. Then somebody will write a book. Man, the people that are influenced by false teachers and false preachers is absolutely amazing to me. I mean, uh, somebody wrote a, church, wrote, a, wrote a book. I have it in my library. It's on ultra-dispensationalism. That's a page-turner, now I can tell you. You want to go to sleep? Read that book, and it'll put you right to sleep. But it has some erroneous views in it. And do you know when they put that book out, do you know there were several prominent pastors that changed their entire outlook on, on church? Changed a lot of their methods, a lot of the methodology that they had in their church because of a book. Let me tell you something, church. We need to quit you like men. We need to stand up and say, listen, this is right and this is wrong. It's right because the Bible says it's right. It's wrong because the Bible says it's wrong. And therein will I stand. We need to be firm. We need to be strong in what we believe. I didn't say we need to be mean. I didn't say we need to be ugly to each other. But I did say we need to be firm and we need to stand. Let me talk about that just for a few minutes uh, this morning when it comes to being uh, uh, firm uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look over with me over in uh, the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians this morning. God's people need to learn to be firm. Now... We're going to talk about another subject after this that should be connected with this. And that is, not only should we be alert and be firm, but we should be loving. So, firm and loving should go together. Okay? So, we ought to speak the truth, but we ought to speak the truth in love. Okay? So, uh, a firmness does not mean uh, uh, meanness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Listen, there's some things that we need to stand up and be firm about. Be firm. Listen, two things. Be firm in our Bible and be firm in our beliefs. We're going through on Wednesday nights. So if you if you have if you uh, are off of work and you could make it uh, Wednesday night at seven o'clock uh, over in the fellowship hall, we meet together. And right now we're going through the Baptist distinctives. What is what is the Baptist distinctives? It's really 
what we believe as Baptists and why we believe it. Do you know you ought to know what you believe? You ought to know what you believe for several reasons. One, you ought to know what you believe so that you can give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Know what you believe so that you can be a witness. So that you can tell others what you believe. Don't be afraid. Too, be, too many people are afraid. We're absolutely, we're absolutely petrified. Because we're afraid somebody might ask us a question that we don't have the answer to. Well, guess what? Somebody, I guarantee you, is going to ask you a question that you don't have the answer to. You don't have to make it up, and you don't have to be afraid. You can just say, you ready? It's not a cuss word. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know how many conversations I've heard that I wish the person would have said, I don't know, because they clearly didn't know? but they made something up anyways. There's some prideful uh, thing that's in us that makes us think that we know. Listen, all you've got to do is watch Jeopardy to realize you ain't smart. I mean, really. You take the smartest person, some of those questions on there, and think to yourself, Why? who knows those things? Who wants to know those things? You, know, ever, you, ever, you ever get a book of useless information? They make books. Matter of fact, I have several of them in my library. I've not read any of them, but I have several of them in my library. And they're just these crazy, why in the world would you ever want to know that? And you, listen, let me tell you what you can always find. You can always find somebody that's smarter than you. Don't care how smart you are. You can always find somebody smarter than you. You can always find somebody more spiritual than you. You can always find somebody that has more money than you. You, can have, you always find somebody that has better things than you. Oh, we can always find somebody. Now, we don't look for those things usually. You know, usually we look for the person that's dumber than us so we can feel smarter. You know, and so, but let me tell you something. What we need to do is we need to be firm on what we believe. And the only way to be firm on what we believe is to be firm on the Bible. What does the Bible say? And what the Bible says determines our belief or what the Bible says should determine our belief. Do you know what we often do? We often take the Bible, we take the Word of God, and we come up with our own belief system. I'm going to give you an example. See these paintings over here? This is not an exact replica of Joe Springer. This is a perspective that the kids came up with of Joe Springer. Now, they thought it through now. Outside the lipstick. Y'all blew it with the lipstick, all right? But other than that, I mean, they really thought through this thing. I mean, they even put gray in my beard. But they wanted perspective. You You know what that picture is? It's a perspective of who I am. It's what... It's what they perceive me to be. It's a little little scary, but it's what they perceive me to be. You know what we often do with the Word of God? We take the Word of God, we see what it says, and then we take a perspective of what we perceive God is saying, and we make up our own belief system. No, what our belief system should be is what the Bible says. I believe that God says what He means, and He means what He says. 
I mean, if God meant for us to believe something else, he would have said so. But you know what we often do? We often take the word of God and we twist it and we turn it to, and we're not firm on it. And it's a, it's, a, it's a sinking sand instead of a solid rock. We need to be firm in the Bible and in what we believe. Let me talk about this just, just for a few minutes this morning. Number one, when it comes to being firm in the Bible and your beliefs, number one, you need to secure it. You need to secure it. Psalm 119, verse 11. What does the psalmist say? I'm going to hide God's word in my heart so that I might not sin against God. We need to take the word of God and we need to secure it in our hearts, in our minds. God's word's not going to affect your life if you don't internalize it. I mean, it does you no good. Listen, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. I'm just telling you, it does you no good sitting in your pew. It does you no good sitting on your nightstand. It does you no good sitting in your car. You need to take the Word of God. You need to open the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God. And you need to secure the Word of God in your heart and your life. Uh, boy, I'm telling you, how do, how, do, how, do, how do we know the Bible? Because we study to show ourselves approved. That's how we know the Bible. Do you think, oh, listen, the first time I ever heard, um, oh, man, I just, I just lost it. He's a, he's a revival preacher. Uh, and uh, first time I ever heard him preach. I thought to myself, um, wow. I was just brand new in the faith. I said, wow, man, I want to know the Word of God like that. Man, I want to know. I mean, he'd open up his Bible, and man, he'd never go back to it, just quote Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. And I mean, I mean, he would just preach the Word. He pre- He's one of those preachers that preach for an hour and a half, and he'd be done, and he'd be like, you're done already? What in the world? I mean, he could preach and preach and preach. I just loved to listen to him. And I, one, day, I, one day, I got to go up there and talk to him. And I was, I was talking to him. And I said, boy, I said, one day, I want to I I be able to preach like you, you know, your style of preaching. I love that style of preaching. I want to be able to know the Bible like you. And he's, this is what he said to me. He's one of those old preachers. Oh, you know, he's got that voice because he's preached for 40 years, you know, and without a microphone. And so he, he says, let me tell you, let me tell you, son, I was, I was in my 20s at the time. But anyways, he was older than I was and said, let me tell you something, son. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take hard work. I said, are you related to my dad? I mean, good night. Yeah, my dad says that all the time. It take, but you know what it did? You know what it does? It takes hard work. It takes time. To study. You can't lay, listen, you can't take your Bible and lay it under your pillow and go to sleep at night and wake up and know more about the Bible. That's not how that works, okay? You, got to, you have to open it. You have to study it. And you know what that takes? It takes time. You know what's, you know what's hard to take for us? Time. Man, because we only have 24 hours in a day. And those 24 hours are spent... Sleeping and working and eating and, and doing our you know pastimes and and you know what you know what often gets put to the back burner spiritual things going to church I go to church if I got time I'll read my Bible if I got time I'll pray if I got time I'll witness if I got time but listen I'll tell you I'm a busy person do you know I, everybody I meet tells me that we're all busy people 
That's just an excuse. Busyness is an excuse for not doing the things that we should be doing. You know what we need to do? Prioritize. Make some things important. Turn the TV off. Put that book down. You know, I mean, do something. Whatever it is that you do is what it, because we all have something. So don't even look at me like that. You might not, you might not read books and you might not watch TV and you might, but we all have something that consumes our time. And we make time for it, right? That I make time for the things that I care about. I make time for my family. I was asked to. I was. I was asked. Uh, a young preacher asked me a question not too long ago. He said, "If you had, if you had one thing to give me, one advice to give me as I as I go into the uh, pulpit, what would that advice be?" I said, "Spend time with your family." He said, "Do what?" I said, "Let me tell you something. They grow up like that, and they're and and they're out of house. You got one shot with your family, and and then they go. They're gone." You got, you, got ones, you got ones like Emma, my Emma. She's a homebody. She has missed home every single day she's been gone. She is absolutely a homebody. You got ones like my, my, my middle Anna. She's a gypsy. Listen to me. If they said, if, if at college they said, hey, look, we're looking for people to go to Timbuktu, Anna would go, I'll go. I don't care where it is. I don't care how to get there. I'll I'll go. She, she's going to come home. I mean, she'll be home after Christmas. She'll be done with college. She'll be home. She won't be home three weeks, and she's going to be off to another ministry. I mean, she's pew, 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 pew. go, 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 go. Some people are, some, we're all different, aren't we? But let me tell you something. We all have the same amount of time. You better prioritize your time. Spend some time with your family. Spend some time with your children. Spend some time with God. Spend some time with the Word of God. I mean, we've got to make that important in our lives. We've got to make it a priority in our lives. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Be firm and secure it. Number two, not only should we secure it, but we should stand on it. We should stand on it. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. Watch, the scripture says this, verse number 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He later says, stand, stand, withstand. We need to stand on the word of God. Stand on the word of God. Stand on it to secure it, to saturate your life with it. I love this passage. Turn over to the book of John. John chapter number 13. Gospel according to John, verse, or chapter 13. Watch this. Now remember, Jesus comes in. He girds himself, grabs a towel, and starts to washing the feet of his disciples. And in John chapter 13, in verse number 9, look over to me in verse 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Now, Peter wasn't obstinate. Peter Peter just spoke his mind. And sometimes that's a good thing. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He got that one, didn't he? But man, here he says, he's a, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not washing my feet. 
You can forget. That's what he's telling them. You can forget it. You're not washing my feet. Jesus answered him. Now watch this. Verse 8. If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Listen, 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 smarty britches. I want you to know something. If I don't wash you, you don't, listen, by the way, you don't tell God what you're doing and not doing. Let's get that straight, first of all. God doesn't need, and by the way, God doesn't need your permission to do whatever he wants to do. Because he's God. We are the clay. He is the potter. Okay? The clay doesn't determine what it's going to be. The potter determines what the clay is going to be. The clay is just a, just, a, just a lump of clay, right? And so the potter's the one that forms it. The potter's the one that makes it. And he begins to make it into this beautiful vase. And the, pot, and the, and the clay says, uh-uh, I won't be no vase. What are you doing? No, the clay doesn't do that. What does the clay do? It just forms into what it's supposed to be because God is the potter. So when Peter said, God, Jesus, you're not washing my feet. Let me tell you what his intentions were. His intentions weren't to be obstinate. His intentions weren't to be uh, 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 mean-spirited. His intentions were, you shouldn't be washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. But Jesus said, listen, Peter, you have no idea what you're talking about. And can I tell you, friend, you often have no idea what you're talking about. You don't tell God what he's doing and what he's not doing. God does exactly what God wants to do. You need to be the clay. You're not the potter. And allow the the clay uh, uh, to be molded into what the potter wants it to be. Now watch this. I love this part. Simon Peter. Now listen. He might get things wrong, but he turns it around pretty quick. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord... Not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Start at the crown of my head. Go all the way to the tips of my toes and wash me completely. Listen, I want to pardon you. Of course I want to pardon you. Whatever it takes, Lord, let me tell you what we need to do. Let me tell you what we need to do with the Word of God. We need to saturate our lives with it. The Word of God has got to reach our hearts and reach our minds so it can reach our hands and reach our feet. Saturate your life with the Word of God. You know, there, you ought to every day be in the Word of God. Every single day. Now, sometimes there's a reading plan and you can read through the Bible in a year, right? Sometimes you can. I remember being in college and you had to read through the Old Testament in one semester. You had to read through the New Testament twice in one semester. Uh, when we were in school. And, um, and then there's devotional plans, and there's all these plans that you can read through the Bible. I'm not saying you have to read through the Bible in a year, but I am saying that you ought to read the Bible. And you ought to read it every day. You ought to ask God to speak. You know, you, know how, you know how I read, you know how I do my, when I was studying is different, but you know how I do my devotions? Now, sometimes I'll use a devotional book, but I use it after I read the Bible, and then I'll use a devotional book. This is what I often do. I say, Lord, let me read until you speak to my heart. And sometimes I read, and I might be in Leviticus, and I read for quite a little while. Deuteronomy, read quite a little while. 
Sometimes you're in the begats and you're reading for quite a little. Sometimes it's a verse. Sometimes it's a few words. And God begins to speak to your heart. Listen to me. Stop. That Hebrew transliterated word that you find in in the Psalms, Selah, S-E-L-A-H, Selah, it means to stop. It means to pause. It means to consider what God is saying. Anybody ever, anybody in here read Spurgeon? Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Prince of Preachers. Oh my goodness. One of my heroes of the faith. I mean, just started preaching when he was uh, 21 years old. I mean, preached to tens of thousands of people. And people were saying, let me tell you something. If you read, you know why not many hands rose? (laughs) Because they've probably read Spurgeon before. You read Spurgeon, you need to sit down with a dictionary and maybe an encyclopedia. Because when he spoke, I mean, often. Now, I'll read, now I have nothing against Max Cicado. I read his books. But when I read his books, one sitting, done. Done. I mean, it's just easy, simple reading. When I sit down with Spurgeon, I'm telling you, I read five or six books in addition to when I'm reading Spurgeon. Because I'll sometimes read a paragraph and I'll have, to, I'll have to stop. My head will start hurting. I'm thinking to myself, okay, what is he saying? Why is he saying this? And what is he? Do you know when we're reading the Word of God, that's what we should do? We should start asking ourselves questions. Well, who is God writing this to? Why is he writing this? What is the application for my life? We ought to be asking these questions whether they're written down or they're just in our mind. We ought to be asking these questions so that we can saturate our lives with the Word of God so the Word of God can change us and make us more like Jesus. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our heads are bowed this morning. Our eyes are closed. Saturate your life with the Word of God. Be firm on what you believe. You know, there's a lot of things that we need to be firm on. We need to be, we need to be firm on, on, the, on, the, on the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When God's firm on something, we should be firm on it. Jesus died upon the cross, was buried, and He rose again the third day so that you could have life and that you could have it more abundantly. Are your sins forgiven? Do you have a home in heaven waiting you? Can I tell you this morning that God loves you? To think that God loves even me. Can I tell you, can I say, can I say it with, with Paul that when he saved me, he saved the chief of sinners? And if God can save me, he can save you? There's nobody too far gone. There's nobody that's ever sinned too much. God delights in saving old sinners. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Can I tell you this morning, stop putting it off. Stop playing games. Let me tell you what we're doing. We're rolling the dice. We have no idea when we go out into eternity. And one day you want to spend eternity with God in heaven? That's determined by what you do with Christ. Are you saved? Do you know Him as your Savior? You say, preacher, I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure if I'd have died, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me?
Just slip your hand up this morning and right back down and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. Please remember me in your prayers, preacher. I'm not sure I'm saved. Is there one? Well, what a blessing. You know, what a, what a blessing it is to be saved. To know that our sins have been forgiven. To know that one day we'll have a home in heaven. Can I tell you this morning, if you're saved, you know Christ is your Savior, you need to be firm. You need to be firm in the Bible. You need to be firm in your beliefs. You need to secure it in your heart and your minds. You need to stand on it. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. We need to stand on the Word of God. Then we need to saturate our lives with it. Not just my feet. Start at the crown of my head. Lord, saturate my life with your Word every day. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing. This morning, a hymn invitation.